much about me, you know that the abortion issue is one that is near and dear to my heart. Um, I am adopted, and uh, I, I've always just been incredibly thankful that my birth mother chose life for me, and I'm heartbroken at the, uh, the countless number that never had that gift. And um, a, a member of our church um, came up to me afterwards that day and said, you know, I, I, I really resonate with your heart. I resonate with your passion. But he said, why are we always focused on abortion? Not that we shouldn't, but shouldn't we have a day where we think adoption and we think foster care and we, we think about the difference that, that you could make to, to children in need? And so our staff made the decision, um, Lauren Martin from our church has been very passionate about this as well, that, that we observe what's known as Orphan Sunday. It is today and all over our country. Um, churches are gathering and the, the focus of their, their service is on the need for adoption, the need for foster care, the need for orphans. I, I was um, blown away by some statistics that I want to share with you. I did not realize that there's 143 million orphaned and vulnerable children in our world. 47.5 million in sub-Saharan Africa, 5.9 million in the Middle East and North Africa, 37.4 million in South Asia, 30 million in East Asia and the Pacific, almost 10 million orphaned and vulnerable children live in Latin America and the Caribbean. In Ethiopia, there are as many orphaned and vulnerable children as the entire population of greater New York City. Heartbreaking. And that's the world in which we live. But we're Americans, right? We live in the greatest country in the history of the world, so surely that's not an issue here, is it? Well, 800,000 children will pass through our country's foster care system this year. Over 500,000 children are in our foster care system right now, and 129,000 of those children are waiting to be adopted today. And I read that, and my heart is broken. Because I think, I can't fix 143 million. I can't fix 800,000. I can't fix 129,000. James may be the most blunt of all the New Testament authors, writes these words in his first chapter, verse 27. He says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their affliction. And so, 143 million and pure religion is here? What do we do? How can we ever possibly make a difference? Well, this week, as I've prayed over this morning, um, a number keeps coming to my mind and my heart. And it's this number right here. One. See, if we worry about 143 million and that keeps us awake at night, or 800,000, or 129,000, it's too big. It's too enormous. And the tendency will be just throw up our hands and say, can't do it. But if we think about one, one life that could be changed, one life you could change or I could change forever, it seems much more manageable. 
We are blessed this morning to be able to watch an extended video of three really special families in our church, the Robinson family, the Graves family, and the Hickman family. And each of these families said yes to one. Each of these families uh, went through a lot. Each of these families have a story to tell on Orphan Sunday 2016. Let's watch it right now. several years of being married we were unable to become pregnant so um, instead of going through fertility treatments and we just knew that there were a lot of kids out there that needed a home and we had a good home loving home a lot of good support that we wanted to give a child well we had some friends that had adopted basically out of the country um, and we kind of looked at that and we kind of fell in love with it children of Guatemala, you know, and their plight, and uh, that's one reason we decided to go with them. Anna is 10, and we've had her since she was six and a half months old. Um, Hunter will be five on Wednesday, and we've had him since he was released from the hospital. So. A lot of red tape to jump through, a lot of classes to take to get your foster license and like I think we were what fingerprinted five different times because no agency wants to use the same and just things like that. For Guatemala we had to be approved here in the United States first but then we also had to be approved by their standards in Guatemala so um, I think each of them internationally and foster care adoptions have they both have their advantages and disadvantages but Yes. It, it's hard, but it's worth it. I mean, it's... Yeah. Is it hard? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And we were actually, you know, looking back at the time, it was a lot more stressful. Now you look back on I mean, still you think, but it's like it, it wasn't so bad after all, you know, but... We prayed a lot, of course, and I think it was, I think our faith really got us through because... Sometimes we didn't know what to do and we wouldn't hear anything for a long time and mm -hmm. we just prayed about it a lot and yeah, it definitely still do. <laughs> strengthened it too, our faith too, I mean, mm -hmm. I think. So. Yeah. It was um, a year of paperwork before mm -hmm. we actually were given honest information that she was available for adoption. And then it was six and a half months after that she got to come home, so a year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, we made one trip when she was about three months old to visit and that was pretty hard to leave her you know I mean we had to come back of course and then um, we were fortunate enough to go back between Christmas and New Year's we always say she's the best Christmas present we ever got to bring her home so then Hunter's was of course we got him right out of the hospital I think he was a little uh, almost two I think before we got to adopt him. Wow, we started the process of adoption. Um, we knew we wanted to have a third child. We considered having a biological child, um, but we realized that there's so many children in the world that 
don't have a home. And that struck us very, very hard. And um, it was interesting because Wes and I had never talked adoption. We both did mission work in Mexico. And I think as high schoolers, um, we went with FCC um, to Mexico and we stayed in an orphanage there. And that's when we started having a heart for orphans, but had never talked about um, adopting. And um, there was, we were in a small group doing a study and it was challenging um, us to do something that required faith. And I think that started us thinking, um, what in our family can we do? And so we started the process more than six years ago and initially getting into the program, um, they told us that it would be six to 18 months and we would be matched um, with the child. And we faced roadblock after roadblock. Um, boy, initially we were told that we um, were accepted in the program and then we were told that Columbia had concerns that we just wanted to save a child and not bring her in as a family member. So they knew we'd done mission work and they, they wanted to make sure um, that we wanted her as a part of our family. Um, so that delayed things. And then um, Columbia put a halt on adoptions for a while. Um, families couldn't adopt. We got switched into programs. We, our orphanage closed. It just, we sure. were literally like 1,800 and something on the list right. to receive a child. And we would get an email, you know, four months later, and then, you know, you, you've moved up, you know, 30 people, um, that type of a list. And it's like, you know, our family's getting older, you know, our, our dynamics are changing, and, and what direction we want to go. So, we chose Columbia. Um, we didn't initially. It's actually quite interesting. Um, we were drawn to the Latin culture, and since we'd done mission work in Mexico, I started researching um, Mexican adoptions, and that um, it was going to take seven years. And so that wasn't us. We said, no way, we're not those people. We're going to do one or two years, and then we're going to be done, um, because it, it's not meant to be. So um, I didn't do Mexico. I kept researching. and. We had to, um, you have to qualify for the programs, and Columbia was one of the few that we did qualify for because we had two healthy boys um, already and because of our age. Um, and then, so Columbia kept popping up, and I said, no, we prayed about it. And he said, if, makes me emotional, I said, if, if we're gonna do it, let's go. And so Wes and I got on an airplane, and we, headed to Columbia, just the two of us, um, to, to see, just to check it out and see if it was something that uh, I was comfortable with and that the kids, uh, I felt that we could take the kids to and we just wanted to get a feel for the program. And we also picked Columbia because it was such a sound program. They've done adoptions for 25 years and they were clean adoptions and the, the kids, they, they were true orphans that needed homes and um, that's what we were interested the process and and that was part of our challenge uh, and why it took so long is because the Colombian government they really value their children and their their families and so that also uh, created challenges and just a lot of red tape I, I, I felt such a strong um, feeling that we were to adopt 
and I remember just being in so much prayer and just waiting and waiting and waiting and I finally came to the conclusion maybe God wanted to open our hearts to orphans and to widows. I mean we really started just opening our eyes and having a heart um, for people in need and so I started thinking along that track but I started getting frustrated with my faith because I thought God why do you keep placing these things that we can't explain that are keeping us going in the process because again we were in it for two years and then done and so I thought I remember at one point saying you know if this adoption doesn't happen I'm really going to question other things that um, come into my life that I feel are speaking to my heart and now, um, just receiving Tatiana six years later and the timing being absolutely perfect, God has just blown our expectations. I mean, now I know why and um, it's all clear. You know, looking back on things, it's all, it's all so clear. Um, we went to the orphanage and um, when we got there, we thought they were just gonna like kind of talk to like tell her what her like what her daily basis was, and then we we're gonna get her and drive her back to our hotel. Well, they told they told us a lot of things about her. We just sat there for how long was it? Mm, probably an hour. Yeah, and then they said um, me and Keaton could go up and go see her, but my parents had to stay down and wait and still talk about it. So we went up there and. Um, we were up there for quite a while. Probably about another hour. Yeah, and we just didn't know what to do because we were kind of uncomfortable and, and we were on our own. And then our parents finally came up. Uh, Andrea mentioned before that our small group, um, that we had, a, there was one night we were sitting there and a question came up that said, you know, what area of your life do you solely just rely on God? And that really hit me really hard because, you know, I like to control a lot of things and, and have my hand on you know my job and family and so forth and, and I, it just hit me and, I, and this was at the time that adoption had really been weighing on my heart and I, it was just like slapping me right upside the face and I'm like this is something that I need to just just have faith and, and rely right. on God. Just take that little step because if you take that little step God's gonna gonna pull you through and usually and we've learned that if had we stopped the process we would have missed out. The and so he he provides opportunity and if you take if you take that opportunity you're the you're the ones that are going to be blessed and so you don't want to miss out on that and he will carry you through so originally she came to me and was like i think we need to do adoption and i said well, let me pray about it. Let me think about it. And my mind sort of overruled my heart at the point and said, I don't know if I can love another kid like he's my biological. So at that point, she's like, well, that's not a good enough answer. And I'm like, why not? It's a great answer, Mark. <laughs> and um, so we basically both said, well, let's do a trial. And so we did foster parenting. And Matthew was our first foster child at four days old. So, 
And funny story there, he said no special needs children either. Um, he has 22Q11.2 deletion syndrome. In other words, he's missing a little piece of his 22nd chromosome. And that can affect, you know, all different ranges of things. Um, mostly the things that he deals with are his immune system. Um, it's, it's pretty much non-existent, so he has to have infusions monthly. Um, development. His development is a little bit delayed. He has speech, occupational therapy, physical therapy. It was very hard um, not knowing whether or not this child's going to get to stay, knowing what he would go be going back to, um, just the, the day-to-day. When we tried very hard not to think about all that. Um, Feeling like you're fighting an uphill battle at every turn. Um, then, of course, they'll call it the, the paperwork, and then just the waiting. You know, going in front of the judge, is the judge going to agree, you know, that you're fit? You know, because you're sitting here thinking, well, I've already raised three kids. I've got a strong, you know, financial background. I've got a job. we got a house. What, what more could they want? And then they go into, well, are you guys going to be together for the rest of your life? And what happens if something, if you're not together? And, and you know, just they explore every avenue. And you sit there and you go, well, what, what's going to happen to my three kids if all those things happen, right? And so it's, it's just a very long and tedious wait and process. So And total, our process took, so the foster process took about two two and a half years um, when parental rights were terminated and then from there it took another two years for the adoption so the wait is probably what I would say yeah. I, I would say be very open to your spouse on your true feelings um, which is sort of what drove us to foster first because I was very open with her and said I just don't know if I can love another kid that's not my biological kid um, and she couldn't understand that at first. And she's like, I just don't get it. Why don't, you know, you love our kids. Why wouldn't you love another kid? And, and I said, my heart and my mind just aren't in sync right now. You know, and so I would say that open communication between you and your spouse is very critical. And being unified going in on what are your goals and what are you willing to, I'll call, put up with as you go through the process. And what are you not willing to sacrifice because you do have existing, if you have existing biologicals, you're, you're, you can't sacrifice what they need, so you can have this other thing over here. And so you've got to balance all of that. And I, and I do think there's a, at first there's a guarding of your heart, right, of I don't want to invest if it's just going to be here and gone. Um, but you eventually get over that. And it, it takes a while, but... You just have to say, they're just another part of our family, and you live that way. I don't know. People ask all the time, how do you do it? I don't think I could do it. How could you give that child back? And, you know, luckily we didn't have to with Matthew, but we didn't know that for two and a half years. And so, I mean, we... A lot of praying, a lot of quiet time, a lot of on my knees, um, a lot of, a lot of giving things back to God. You know, because I would take it away from Him, <laughs> and then have to give it back to Him and say, "Okay, you're in control." Um, so yeah, I would say definitely. Yeah, and I think he, he's proved that he's a very strong and powerful God, and 
if you do trust him, he'll take care of it. I, I would say the biggest thing that for me was just taking the step. Because it's scary. It's very unknown. You don't know how you're going to react. You don't know how your extended family's going to react. But I'll tell you, just take the step. And the rest of the stuff gets figured out. And, it, and it's all through God's work and his hands that it all gets figured out. Honestly, just just knowing how many kids out there that need a home. Um, and then, you know, once we started with the foster system, we realized how many really do need good, loving homes. One life, change forever, three stories. Um, will you express your appreciation to those families for sharing with us today? Typically, churches have days like this, and they have an invitation song, and they send you on your way, and you can leave saying, that's great. I, I cried a little bit, but so what? Now what? Well, we don't want today to be that kind of a day, so I have asked Amanda Cooper from Illini Christian Ministries to come. Illini Christian Ministries is a ministry that has a long history with our church, and Amanda and her uh, ministry are on the front lines of orphan care, foster care, and adoption care, and I've asked her to share for just a couple minutes about the difference that Illini Christian is making and the great resource that Illini Christian is for this church family. So we welcome Amanda, please. It's so good to be back here at First Christian Clinton. I am Amanda Cooper. I am the Director of Adoption Services at Illini Christian Ministries. And um, I was here for Sanctity of Life Sunday on January 17th. How many of you guys remember that I was here that day? Yes, and on that day I was sharing that I had had a call from a birth mother coming out of Carl Hospital. And she said, I'm pregnant with twins. I'm in labor. I need an adoptive family for these babies. Come now. And I was like, oh, snap. That is going to be an interesting thing to figure out. Um, and so by lots of, lots of nurses and doctors and social workers and lawyers working together, we were able to identify a family um, just a couple short days after I was here to adopt those babies, um, a boy and a girl. I called this family on a Wednesday 
and said, hey, you guys have been the family selected to adopt twins. And on the following Tuesday, they were born. And on the Tuesday after that, they went home from the hospital. So this family had about 14 days to figure out how they could prepare their house and their family and their two children at home um, for twins. And so it has been an amazing journey for them. It's been an amazing year that they totally didn't expect. Um, Alina was blessed to be a part of the process, and um, it was just amazing to see how much interest even I had from Clinton that day um, of families coming up to me and saying, hey, if you still don't have a family for that child when they're born, we know friends that want to adopt, or we have a couple that, you know, could help. And I just was so impressed by you guys for that, um, just for your big hearts and for willing, um, being willing to drop what you guys have going on um, to help a family that really, um, you know, was going to need some help, two little babies. Um, we also had another placement this year that was um, probably the, the biggest time that I've seen the hand of God um, in an adoption. And I don't know, second service, I get a lot more emotional than first service. You know, you, you guys are my people, so I'm like <laughs> jiving with you guys, but it's making me emotional. So um, we had a birth mom to come in, and she had made an adoption plan, and the adoptive family cared for this little boy in the hospital for a day and a half. And then right before we were getting ready for discharge, the birth mom said, I don't think I can do it. I want to take him home. Um, and I was crushed. We as a ministry were crushed. Um, the adoptive family that had held this baby in their hands for 36 hours or for 24 hours was crushed. And um, we couldn't see what the path was. And we couldn't see anything um, and, you know, what was going on and our prayer was, um, if, if her life falls apart, um, that she would know that we are a place of love and acceptance and that she would come back to us. Um, and by the grace of God in his hand in the situation, that is what happened. And she texted me at 3 o'clock on a Tuesday and said, do you think the family would still adopt him? I just don't think he deserves to live this way because um, she was living with her two other children in a car. They, she didn't have a job. She didn't have um, a house. She didn't have any. Everyone had turned their back on her, or she had turned her back on everyone. And so um, she called Alina Christian Ministries, and um, we got her in, and within an hour and a half, the family that had held that baby in the hospital was driving away with him in their car, um, which I couldn't even mentally comprehend at the time. Um, but it was, uh, it was completely um, amazing to see that um, we had totally given up on this situation, but God wasn't done yet. And he had continued to motivate that family and to open their eyes to keeping their eyes and their heart open to adoption because, man, after something like that, it would be really easy to say, never mind, I'm done, I tried. I don't know what that was about, God, but, you know, I'm moving on. Um, I loved the families in the video today because so many of them said, this is really hard. The wait is really long. Just take the first step, and it'll be worth it in the end. And um, I work with so many families that talk about being hesitant, hesitantly optimistic as they're in the adoption process. 
um, because you know they they want to help and they want to hold another family member in their arms so much, um, but they're so afraid of of the other side of adoption or the other side of foster care, um, and that's where God protects us, and that's where um, even me as as the worker in the middle of so many situations, I get hurt and I get sad, and um, He's proven Himself to our ministry over and over again. Um, we're completely funded by individuals and churches. We don't have any state grants, um, which has been a blessing in the state of Illinois lately. Um, but there have been times where, you know, we've been concerned about our support, and then something huge happens, and we know that it is the hand of Jesus Christ and the hand of the Spirit working in our lives. Um, we have lots of ways that we can help um, families that are interested in adoption. I hold inquiry meetings all the time. I would love to even come and hold an info meeting here at first for families that don't even know the first thing that you kind of figure out in adoption is domestic or international or foster. And some people, they don't even know how to start with that type of situation. So I would love to come explain some of those details to you guys. We have another voluntary ministry that's called Safe Families for Children that is kind of right before foster care in the line of care um, for children. We help children who are not in the foster care system but who are in a hard situation and they need a safe place to go for a little while and their parents trust Illini Christian Ministries and place them with us for usually a period of between two weeks and two months. Um, so that's for people that have children, don't have children, had children out of the house, all types of different things. There's so many ways that you can get involved with that ministry. We have hubs in Bloomington and in Champaign and in Decatur and Charleston. And um, I was said in the first service, we have nobody in Clinton. So we would love to, um, to talk to you guys about how Clinton can get involved in caring for the kids from your own community in situations like that as well. So I will be outside at a table with a big green tablecloth on it. Bonnie will be there as well. She's our office manager. I'm so glad she came um, to be here with me today and will field any, any questions or take some of my cards um, just in case you ever feel like you might run into a situation where someone could use our help. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Amanda. Thank you. One child, one life, we can make a difference, one child at a time. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to be inspired by, uh, by families in our church, to be inspired by stories where you are obviously at work. And uh, God, help us not to be overwhelmed by statistics. Help us not to be overwhelmed by the need, but to see the difference that, that we can make. One life, one child at a time. We love you so much, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat>